This is The Sean Pru Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Welcome to another hour of Thought Revolution Radio here on Sirius XM 167. I'm Sean Pru and I'm uh, schwitzing today. Spring has sprung here in Toronto where the show is based and there are no less than seven beautiful people, including myself, in the studio. So it is hot as Hades. Um, R. Kelly. Uh, we have been following for two decades now uh, allegations of sexual abuse and domestic violence. Uh, recently, if you saw the six-part miniseries on Lifetime Surviving R. Kelly, which I did, it was gripping, shocking, disturbing to say the least. And there was one person who caught my eye immediately uh, who broke her silence about domestic violence she experienced with R. Kelly on The View recently. Have a listen. I know this, this may be difficult for you to recount, um, but I, I, I want to ask you this. You were the victim of domestic violence during your marriage, you say, and you talk about a Hummer attack. Can you share that with us? Um, I'm going to try to get through it without okay. crying. Very difficult. Um, a lot of people know that I'm a professional dancer, so my body is my work. And I remember one time he attacked me in the back of a Hummer, and I do suffer from PTSD because of it. Whenever Hummers, when I would see them on the road, I would shake, my hands would sweat, and I would get nervous, and I couldn't breathe. And he attacked me one time in the back of a Hummer, and I thought I was going to die in the back of the Hummer. Because what he had done, he'd taken this left arm and pulled it behind me and his weight was on my body but he didn't realize his forearm was on my neck so as he's pressing down my breathing is getting labored and the only reason why I think I made it out is because I said Robert you're gonna kill me I can't breathe you have to get your arm off of my neck and I just remember sitting in the back of the Hummer and it got blue and I just thought, oh my God, I'm gonna die in the back of this Hummer and he's gonna drive off with my body in the back seat and nobody's gonna know. That, that's the voice of Drea Kelly. And Drea Kelly is my special guest. The second half of the Sean Pru show, she is going to discuss not what continued to happen to her, but how she has gone on to live a life now that has got meaning, love, and happiness in it as the Sean Pru show continues. But first, I saw a different kind of miracle. Uh, when you get an idea that is about what I'm going to share with you right now, you know that it's like divine inspiration. Uh, David Dixon is the noted fashion designer here in Canada, and he's been on the show here before. Uh, and he presented a beautiful show a few weeks ago. He partnered with Osteoporosis Canada. Now, you don't necessarily think that's the dovetailing, you know, blend of, of, of forces. Uh, but I want to welcome from Osteoporosis Canada, Dr. Famita Jiwa and my friend Glenn Dixon. Hi. David can't be here today. No, he couldn't be here uh, today, unfortunately, but he sends his best. He sends the cuter brother in. <laughs> <laughs> David, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, he's not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Thanks for having us. No, it's nice to see you. It's nice to see you. And, and of course, you work so closely with David. It's like having David here. Now, the reason I was going on about how divine this, this was is because um, there's a bunch of things that you got to know about. Um, Canadian fashion is not... Milan. It is not Paris. It is not New York. It is still a spring chicken, to, to um, just borrow a phrase. And so and it's not always as well supported as someone like me would like to see something like Canadian fashion be supported. And so I've watched you guys team up with Barbie, for mm -hmm. example. 
And then you did this collection with Osteoporosis Canada, which was called Bubble. And it's spelt B U B L, kind of like Tumblr grinder. How <laughs> 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 they bastardized the English language a bit. It's spelt that way. And the entire collection was made from one of my favorite things in the world <laughs> bubble wrap. I know, I know. Um, David has been, as you know, he's been in, he's been doing collections for almost twenty five years now, and so through the you know, and produced every one of those fashion shows. And he'll you should have seen this man running around that day. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's uh, uh, we got to a point, I guess, about two three years ago, where he wanted to take fashion and you know use it as a communicator. So mm. not because like he loves doing you know his collections or whatever, but he wanted to send a more important message than just a, a, a runway show. Here's another skirt. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, when osteoporosis uh, approached him about you know collaborating uh, to do a show, he was all over it. Uh, just because when he heard that there's you know two million people suffering from osteoporosis in Canada, he wanted to use his voice, which is his designs, to communicate. You know message and boy oh boy did it it's so it was so it was so amazing Fidima, who was the genius who thought the way to get our message across or out there further is through fashion i mean it's just not that's what i'm like it's divine yes it's a very unique platform yeah. um to showcase not only the skill and design of david dixon but the nature of osteoporosis, which really is a disease that is by and large invisible. Yes. So this was a wonderful way to make the invisible visible. I mean, it's and called it, the invisible disease, it isn't is. it? It is. It's yeah, a silent no, disease. Silent disease, yes. yes I've heard that. Um, it was really a partnership that was done between Osteoporosis Canada, Edelman, uh, and uh, David Dixon, who jumped right on board and uh, and ran with it. So uh, so we're very excited about Whose it. Whose light bulb moment I can need to know? Who, who, who? Absolutely, it was Edelman. It was Edelman! (laughs) (laughs) They're standing behind me, and no pictures of me sweating, please. (laughs) Um, So, so Glenn, and this this, this question comes with no criticism in it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Why are you wearing that? No kidding. (laughs) No, why, why, does it not a sad statement about the the, the place we're in with Canadian fashion today, that while David may want to use his platform for more, mm-hmm. partnerships like this, in the end, are necessary. Um, you can't stage things to the degree that I saw at Bubble. You can't get out there to the degree. If, if I were to become a, a, a designer, mm-hmm. I would have a big... You have to partner with people these days. What does that say about where we're at? Well, I think it... Well, I think it says good things as well, right? So I know, like, the the Canadian fashion industry, I even hate calling it the Canadian fashion industry because it really is a global, we we should be treating it globally. Uh, Tom Ford, you know, he's now in charge of the American fashion brand or the American council, and he is also of of the thought that it shouldn't be regarded as an American brand, it should be... A global brand, and I feel the same way. Always so explain have. why for people listening who don't understand, and I don't necessarily understand why you say that. Well, first of all, like if you if it walks like a duck and it looks like a duck, or you know, it's a duck. And I think that if you start to sort of pigeonhole yourself and call yourself Canadian, then people will always look at it as a Canadian, and they'll think when people think Canada to this day on a global stage, they think um, 
at TV bestie squared and, and RCMP yes. at and, worst yeah. stereotypes. Yes. Yeah. So the worst, right? And so I think by just presenting ourselves as fashion companies and fashion designers globally, like it, it sort of takes that away. I hear this. Okay. Um, and the. Yeah, so like the Canadian government, I mean, we're going to talk, you don't want me to get me get going on that, but yes, there needs to be more support from our Canadian government on, yeah. on fashion, because fashion... On arts, period. On, on arts, period, yeah. yeah. And um, back to using this as a communicator. So fashion is a communicator, and it is, represents, you know, who you are. So how you dress, is, it says a lot about who yes, you are. it's expression, right? yes. And David uses a lot of people, but a lot of people don't even get that. Right. A lot of people don't even get that. Men don't get that, especially straight men, especially don't always get that. Not all of them. No, I'm no, I'm not saying <laughs> you, Aaron. No, but I mean, I, I think um, there's fear of expression. There's um, how do I express myself? And so we have a problem even in just in the in the global fashion industry because a lot of people don't even understand that that is a way to express your day your mood your headspace what you're feeling what you who you are we don't even teach that to children that this is you know it's good to dress up and wear what colors you want we put them in chinos if they're a little boy in a little plaid shirt mm -hmm. and we keep them in the box I think it's changing, though. I really yeah, do. Yeah. Like, I mean, I really do. You walk down Bay Street in Toronto, and like it used to be all navy suits with red ties. Mm -hmm. Today, I mean, the men are like, you know, they're they're more stylish. They're wearing, you know, separates, and their hair <laughs> <laughs> right there, and uh, and their hair is done, mm -hmm. right, right? Like, so we have to thank the gay population for that because we 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 were doing that 10, 15 years ago. I now used to I used to work in finance, as you probably know, and I, I would be in the nineties, and I would be the one guy with the pink shirt in the office. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I took it on the chin for that. So, all right, so we're evolving um, slowly. Slowly, we are evolving, but we are evolving. That's the good news, right? And um, so much so, like if you look at, um, well, you know, just that whole, look at this. Let's talk about the osteoporosis show. So th that night you were there. It was a magical evening, it's right? Amazing. It was a magical evening. The whole event, was, mm -hmm. it started off Toronto Fashion Week. And it ended too fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. It's all this work, all this effort for like, you know, 15 minutes, yeah. right? It's, yeah. But it has impact. That show alone, we hit 460 million impressions. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is. So it is. So, you, you know, we've gone all over the place for my question about, you know, is it a sad thing or a good thing? It is a good thing I to be partnering thing. like this. You know, uh, do you think it inspires more collaborations? Collaborations, more companies with the DOSH to spend I, and the ideas and the resources. I hope so, because if you look at like us, you know, Nike, you know, or different companies that will, you know, use, you know, sports people what do they call it? like athletes <laughs> stick and ball activity people is what i think I call them. <laughs> those people <laughs> they'll use those them as you know communicators i could hug you right now. that was so funny <laughs> but they use them to communicate their brands yes. and uh, like i think the more that that sort of collaboration communication for good in the case of you know like when we were working with osteoporosis or if for even for money and like you know like uh, like a Mattel uh, you know where you're, you're 
collaborating to communicate Barbie, mm-hmm. and you're actually going to make money off of it. Yep. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing not at all. Not a bad thing. What is a bad thing is the straight man in the room who keeps wanting the, the two gay guys talking about fashion to shut up so we can go to commercials, <laughs> so we'll do that. The Sean Pree Show continues. Uh, we've got Drea Kelly, my special guest, coming up in just a little while here on Sirius XM Canada Talks, channel 167. You were perfectly formed for the season. You were wonderfully made. Marvelous, amorous, glorious, victorious. You have a purpose. You have a purpose and a reason. You were perfectly formed for the season. The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Welcome back. Thought Revolution Radio underway. Drea Kelly, the ex-wife of R. Kelly, is coming up a little later on in the show. She's going to talk to us about moving on and surviving R. Kelly in just a little bit. We are talking about surviving osteoporosis and a wonderful uh, show that I saw by David Dixon and his team at the Royal Ontario Museum several weeks ago called Bubble and putting the message out about osteoporosis and what it is was done in such a beautiful way. I wanted to have you guys on the show. It was called Bubble, and everything was made out of bubble wrap. And this man, with his long, beautiful hair, was wearing that. (laughs) And I wanted to jump onto the runway, rip it off his body, and run. It was just beautiful, and so was everything. Glenn Dixon, David's brother, is here. It it was beautiful. Exquisite. Do you know, they were very, very, like, I hate to use the term art, but they were artful pieces. And and, and truthfully, um, so many people after were like, where do we buy them? That's what I wanted to know. Where do I get this trench coat? Yeah, well, they were on display at the Yorkville Village for about a month afterwards, but they they aren't for sale. Although, you know, if you call David up, he might be remake one for you. I might call David up. <laughs> the the bubble wrap fabric was actually quite easy to work with for his seamstresses. Is I, that so? Because yeah. I was looking at I was looking for the detail. I was looking yeah. for the stitching. I had a nice seat. Thank you. I was looking for the stitching, the detail. Like, was it falling apart? Was it all no, taped together? No. It wasn't. It was elegant and beautiful. Uh, Bubblefashion.ca. B-U-B-L. Fashion.ca is where you can see this collection presented by osteoporosis. And also take a quiz uh, about osteoporosis. Uh, we've got Dr. Famida Jiwa. She's the president and CEO of Osteoporosis Canada, also in the house, looking lovely today. Thank you. Not for wearing us. any bubble wrap. No mm. bubble wrap here. <laughs> uh, so at 50, I should be concerned, probably, about yes. osteoporosis. Yeah, actually, everybody should be concerned about osteoporosis. Children? Uh, because your bone health is actually developed during adolescence. Uh, so it is critical to reach that peak bone mass before you reach the end of puberty. Because once you do, that's really all you have to work with. And what you lose, you will lose from that point on. There are several exes of mine who say I've not yet reached the end of puberty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell us the worst of osteoporosis. So osteoporosis weakens bone. That's basically what it does. Uh, And what weakened bone does is it doesn't withhold any pressure on it. So if you break a bone from standing height, we call it an osteoporotic fracture. Your bones and your body should be able to sustain a fall from standing height. So I'm not talking about being on a ladder or on a roof. But being a but six simply, foot four man and falling over and, and being okay. Yeah, I mean, what we hear often is uh, when people, particularly in the winter months, slip and fall on ice, mm-hmm. they'll call us uh, once they realize they've been diagnosed with osteoporosis. But it's interesting what they'll say is, but I fell hard or the ice was hard. 
Um, so really looking to attribute the broken bone to something other than their bone quality, right? right. which is the fallacy that exists for osteoporosis. Uh, shockingly, one in three women and one in five men will break a bone due to osteoporosis in their lifetime. That's a lot of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you consider that two million Canadians uh, are living with osteoporosis, a quick math tells you that the burden of the disease is actually very high and will only grow as the population ages. And as the population continues to grow exactly. as well. So what is Osteoporosis Canada and presumably other organizations in, in, in our world? What are you doing and how can you, how can you fix this? And so, why do we have it? So we are the uh, only national organization dealing with osteoporosis in Canada. We've been in existence since 1982. Okay. Uh, and our organization is uh, established basically to empower and educate Canadians, those who have the disease and those who are at risk for developing the disease. So there is a, a risk tool that was done in collaboration with Booble, uh, the fashion show. I'm uh, calling it Bubble. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's called Know Your Risk and it's on the Osteoporosis Canada website. So the, the impetus behind this entire platform was to get Canadians A, aware about osteoporosis and B, activated. So they go on our website, do the quiz, and it's an interactive quiz. Uh, it's very quick, very easy to do, and it spits out your results in terms of your risk for developing osteoporosis. So uh, why that's important is if you don't know you have the disease, oftentimes the first time you realize you have it is when you fall and when you break you, a when bone. You know, yeah, when you find out the hard way. Yeah. So um, with the stats like I just showed, um, I'm looking at the booble. <laughs> so, one in three women, one in five men. So the chances are my risk if I take this quiz, which is weird because I, I saw this site because I was looking to see where I could buy that trench coat and I couldn't see. But I saw the take the quiz. And do you know I was I have not taken the quiz? Well, you should take the quiz. I was afraid. I'm afraid. Well, uh, fear is actually going to, uh, it, it ends up being the thing that harms many people, right? yeah. not, not only with osteoporosis, but with any disease. Yeah. Um, and there are many things that you can do once your risk is, is given to you. Um, so it's important to know your family history. It's important to know uh, your lifestyle factors that affect your risk. So what, do you, what do you say, though, to people who are just like me? And my fear isn't from poor health. My fear is one more problem in life. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. What do you say to somebody who's looking at the quiz right now and going, eh, wait till I fall. So <laughs> I lied on mine. I lied on mine. You lied on yours? Yeah, so I'm not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to make this disease, <laughs> to make this disease tangible, uh, if you have osteoporosis, there is a very high likelihood that you'll break a bone. If you break your hip, the chances are 30% of the people who break their hip will die within the year. If you don't break your hip, 30% of those people will go on and break another bone. So this is why you should care. And this is why it's important not to let fear control you right. because this is a disease that uh, you can manage and can be managed both with your own actions and with external factors. Can you, before we wrap up, because uh, what, give us the sort of, light at the end of the tunnel so you can manage them you give us some uh, some of the ways in which we can just so that I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel if i take this quiz mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well and I'm fall right after <laughs> <laughs> well i mean we spend so much of our life saving for retirement mm -hmm. um and uh it would be tragic if after all of that hard work somebody were to break their bone and 
say they weren't one of those people who died, but their activities of daily living were significantly mm-hmm. impacted. Mm-hmm. So they're no longer independent. Mm-hmm. So it's an it's a paradox because they've worked all of their lives so that they have a healthy and um, soluble retirement. However, their inability to be independent prohibits them from then reaping those benefits. Mm-hmm. So that's the dark side of it. The light side of it is that uh, once you know your risk, you can take steps to live a healthy, independent life. Steps like diet. Diet, uh, weight-bearing exercise, so walking. um, Yes, walking. Isn't it amazing that in 2019, this is where we're at, the idea of walking? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and and it's a simple thing to do that requires no equipment. Um, But weight-bearing exercise actually builds the, the strength in the bone. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, because of the compression of the bone that happens. Uh, diet rich in calcium and vitamin D. Um, vit- vitamin D, you can't get everything from your diet, so you do need to supplement that right. portion of That's it. Leafy greens, dark greens, dark vegetables. I eat a lot of this stuff. Exactly. And I can take the quiz exactly. and I walk everywhere. Take the quiz, and uh, on our website, actually, we have uh, many uh, examples of, of dietary foods that are rich in calcium and vitamin D. Well, it took a while to get you guys in here, but I'm so glad we finally made it happen. Glenn Dixon and Doctor, thank you so much for coming on the show. And you can go to osteoporosiscanada.ca. It's osteoporosis.ca. Osteoporosis.ca. Yeah. Oh, you grabbed the whole thing, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> and boobelfashion.ca as well to see this magnificent collection. If you're a fan of fashion, you just have to look. It's gorgeous. Uh, so is my next guest, Inside and Out. Drea Kelly joins us uh, on the Sean Pru Show here on SiriusXM. Canada Talks Channel 167 in one second. Welcome back to the Sean Pru Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Here's Sean Pru. Here I am. Uh, glad to be with you. This next segment of the show is for those of you who are facing or will face, as I have and we all do, enormous struggle and the ingredients that make up that struggle fear pain worry anger uncertainty struggle it seems like it's got you and it's not going to let you go i think we've all uh, had that time in our lives Uh, our intention now is to encourage you out of and uplift you up from wherever you may be and uh, you know if life is pretty good for you and you don't have a struggle then at least you're going to be inspired our guest today was born in chicago and is a dancer choreographer actress and mother and she knows more than anyone fair she's had a fair share of struggle in a profound, very public, and larger-than-life way. Drea Kelly is the ex-wife of the man many call the king of R&B, R. Kelly, who currently faces 70 years in jail after being accused of 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. The two decades of his headline-making allegations of sexual misconduct were explored deeply in the profound documentary Surviving R. Kelly, in which Drea appeared with dignity and elegance, and she shared the shocking horrific experience of the sexual, emotional, and physical abuse that culminated in her almost committing suicide. But because that's already all out there in this world where you can look anything up, we're not going to talk about that one more time with her, and not on a show where we want to let go and move through, out of, and uh, past all the damn struggle. Welcome, Adria. How are you today? Thank you. I am blessed and highly favored. I can't complain. This is... 
that's the answer I expected you to say, and that's why I'm so glad you're on the show today. Uh, I, I want to just say when I watched the um, R. Kelly interview, that it begins with and there's a there's a grid of faces, and my eye went as the grid was was expanding right to your face, and I didn't know you, I didn't know what, whose faces were whose, and I was um, so impressed by the way you carried yourself your eloquence and elegance as i as i said before um how did it feel once that was broadcast and out there it followed you uh, following that you did a number of interviews uh, on talk shows and stuff but cathartic can't even be the right word yeah well first i want to say thank you so so much for just seeing my light and appreciating my light. And thank you for the intro in this interview for being delicate and gentle with the subject that is my life. Unfortunately, it's something that's trending. It's hot topic. It's what's hot for the moment, but it is really my life. I understand that. Um, Yeah. You know, I would say coming out of all of this, telling my story, I did not know the effect that it was going to have, the reach that it was going to have across color lines, religion, uh, economic lines, it, male, female, I had no idea. Me coming forward telling my story was really about bringing validity to these women's stories and how could they be the same verbatim across the line over a decade of time and we don't even know each other. That just let me know that when it comes to domestic violence, it's all the same. It is all the it's same. Different. I was shocked, and it's funny. It's funny they said seeing my light. You said seeing my light just a second ago. I've got, I've got a note here saying tell her how she brought the light. <laughs> no, it says in big bold letters. I wanted to make sure you knew you. T- you really touched me. Uh, the whole thing touched me, and and obviously it's a touch so many people. But I did write down make sure you tell her that she brought the light. Um, you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You um, made the decision to tell your story in such a profound and public way when someone else um, that uh, your ex had um, damaged was telling her story. And you said it was exactly the same as yours. And that was the decision because you knew it had to be true. Yes, it it was like looking in a mirror and someone playing a recording of me speaking to myself. It was eerie down to the situation she described that calling him daddy. Like it, it was to the point that I'd been praying for a while and I was like, God, I'm not sure. Should I come forward? Because I have three children by him. So I'm well aware that whatever I do affects my children. So I'm very cognizant of the decisions you make. It's a ripple. And once you put this drop in this pool, this pond, mm-hmm. it's going to reach to your children, your friends, your family, loved ones, media. Are you sure? But God gave me a piece about it. My children gave me a piece about it that I knew I could not not say anything at this point. No one's believing these women. And if I come forward, hopefully someone will listen and say, well, wait a minute. Okay, there might be a little question because these women were not married to him. There might be a question because, okay, they may have been fans. But it's a little different, and the level of validation is different 
When here's a woman who's been married to this man and has children with this man, I gain nothing putting myself in that position. But at the same time, I gained everything. I got my power, my strength, my voice. And to be able to help women who were in a position that felt like no one's listening, no one cares. And even outside of Robert, women telling their story, I wanted people to know that this just isn't about women that were affected by my ex. This is about that woman in that small town in Oklahoma who feels like she's never going to get out. How do I do it? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? And if I can do it in front of the world, she can do it in her little small community of 1,500 people. I think, um, you know, as I, as I spoke, the intention here is is to to help um, this conversation. I, I hope that people are listening to it and uh, the right people are. I know they are. And you've mentioned something that I, I feel is important when you are caught up in the madness you um, and you've done. You've mentioned this a couple of times. You, you've you've asked. You say God, whoever. I, I would ask the universe because this is what happens to me when I don't know what to do. I don't do anything, and then I ask. Mm-hmm. I ask for clarity, and that's what you say. You know, give me a sign, and you always get the sign, don't you? You always. So, so in this case, you saw the woman on television who was your mirror. Or I, I know yeah. you've told the story about almost committing suicide and you, you looked for some sort of sign before you did and then you saw the future a little bit and that stopped you from doing it. Yes, yes. The signs are always there. We just have to be aware and listen to that voice on the inside that says that's the answer. Sometimes we get the answer and we still want another answer to justify the answer to make sure it's the right answer. No, when you get that answer Go with it. And, and don't be don't be yeah. afraid to push the pause button in the madness. We want to get out of the madness so badly that we're trying to scramble out of our problems, whatever they are. And, and they could be as profound and serious as yours, or it might be something a bit lighter. But if you just pause for a second and don't do anything until you know, that's probably one of the first yeah. great steps anyone can take. Yes, take the pause. And some people think that taking the pause, that doesn't mean questioning yourself. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in the universe and the sign that it's giving me. It's making sure you have clarity. Because here's the problem. When you don't take the pause and you don't have clarity, you end up in the same situation, mm-hmm. just with a different person. Mm-hmm. You have to be clear of what you're getting, what you're in, in order to know what you're getting out of. So if you're just leaving, but in your mind, you're not even clear that this really is a violent domestic violent relationship you're going to end up in another one same same man different body oh i i I, yeah i like to say it's the same it's the same it's the same problem in a different pair of pants uh is is what you end up with this is a good time to move to to a question i thought we'd do a little later but let me ask you this now you talked about um your darkest moment we mentioned it just now when you were moments from committing suicide by jumping off a balcony you said the fact that you were willing to leave your children because as a mother, and every mother knows, listening to this, you live for your children, was when you knew you had to leave. And that's one of those signs that, that, that came to you. And on an interview with The View, I'm just going to play a one-minute clip of it now, you said something, you're very astute and profound, uh, that I want to play right now, and come back and talk about that. The fact that I was willing to leave them let me know the best thing you have to do for you and your children to live is leave. Mm-hmm. And then you filed a restraining order. I did. In 2005. What 
prompted you to do that? And did you tell anyone at that time? The police come to you? Did you tell family members what was going on? I told my family members. My grandfather actually took me to get the restraining order, which the irony in that is the first time I ever saw a man beat a woman was my grandfather, and he was a Baptist preacher. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so that was very difficult for me that here's this man taking me to get a restraining order and I've seen this and it's familiar and that's what I want people to understand too. It's not <laughs> something that just comes out of the blue. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a, a root to their tree and mm -hmm. if you look at the root of your tree, you will see where that behavior is familiar and why you've attracted it. And my grandparents growing up in that is how that happened for me. And yes, I had to get a restraining order that's against That's very him. true. Side note, you looked amazing <laughs> in that interview. Oh, <laughs> I was like, whoa, polished to perfection. Thank you. Um, but if you look at the root of your tree, I thought, my God, I've got to have this woman on my show. If you look at the root of the tree, you understand why you have attracted what you attract. And, and my, my dad was an alcoholic. We had a, he's passed a long time ago. and We had a very volatile relationship. And I could look at, uh, as a gay man, the relationships that I attracted when I didn't know better. And I didn't look at the root mm -hmm. of my tree. And I was getting the Jekylls and Hydes that my dad was. Um, what do you say, though, to people who understand what you're saying about knowing the root of the tree? And, and how do they apply that in their lives? And, and, and so what would you, if you knew then what you knew now, how would you be applying that in your situation? Being able to look at the root of my tree and also people have to understand as a tree, we are a whole tree. We are branch, leaf, fruit, root. But we'll just deal with the two biggest ones, your root of your tree and the fruit of your tree. The fruit of your tree typically is the people that we attract, the situations that we end up in. If, if it's alcoholism, if it's abusive, if it's drug abuse, and we seem that's the fruit of our tree. And then here comes some person that that fruit is enticing to them. That's what they love because that's what they are. So for Robert coming into my life, that was already the fruit on my tree. Abuse was already on my tree. Mm. It's not something he introduced into my life. It was the fruit that I was bearing because that's what my grandfather instilled at the root of my tree. So I would say once you're looking at your tree and you think, wow, is this person abusive like a grandfather? Write down their similarities and you will be surprised. Mm -hmm. Even it's, if it's down to the way they speak to you, uh, if they intimidate you, if it's alcoholism, if it's drug abuse, if it's physical, if it's mental, you will find that even as a child, maybe it was an uncle, maybe it was a father, maybe it was a mother. And then you find these same characteristics in a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You really need to make a list and go back in your memory bank, go back in your history and find out where was this behavior introduced? Where did I learn this? And the, for me, one other that, thing that, 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 has, has been, that has been helpful is you make me feel like I used to feel with my dad, for example. You make me feel that way, that, that certain feeling that I hate, I'm feeling it again with you. And that's also a clue to do the work that you're talking about uh, right now. Um, what is the, we're going to take a break in, in just a second, but what is the word to describe your life in this Red Hot Minute? Wonderful, darling. <laughs> I knew I was going to yes, like you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you, absolutely. 
How do you go from where you were to wonderful, more uh, good work with Drea Kelly here on the Sean Fru Show? I'm glad, so glad you're with us. This is Sirius XM Canada Talks, Channel 167. And a reason You were perfectly formed for the season You were wonderfully made Marvelous, amorous, The Sean Prue Show on Canada Talks, Sirius XM 167. Welcome back. Uh, very special guest today. She is bringing the light. Uh, born in Chicago, dancer, choreographer, actress, and mother, and the ex-wife of a man named R. Kelly, whose uh, sexual abuse allegations uh, have been widely documented. I said in the intro uh, one segment ago, and if you missed... Um, the start of this conversation, you have to go back on uh, Sirius XM, uh, XM On Demand and, and hear the whole thing because we've got a very wise person with us right now. I, I said at the beginning um, that we weren't going to go into any of the, the past stuff that he did to you. And that's, that's, uh, that's for good reason. It's out there. You don't need to keep talking about it. But don't you think the other reason is that you have to pick a point in your journey with struggle uh, where you stop talking about what happened, stop looking over your shoulder, um, metaphorically, and talking about the past because the, 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 the exit, um, the end is ahead of you, or even sometimes in this now moment, if you can change your focus. Agree? You have to, you have to. And here's the thing, people need to understand a lot of times when people do interviews, and again, I just want to thank you for being so gentle and and loving and knowing that this is a delicate subject, but it really is about my advocacy now. And being an advocate of domestic violence awareness, it's not about the gory details. And unfortunately, we live in a society where people want their curiosity satisfied. They could care less about the healing process. They could care less about what you learned, how you grew. They want the details, the gory, the dark, the dirt, the grief. That's not what's important. What's important, we all know how horrific it is, but what we don't know is how do we come out of it? Yes. How do we go on to live happy, healthy, loving lives? How do we go on to even trust ourselves? When you're in relationships like this, people don't understand, first of all, that the emotional, the psychological, many times the financial and economic abuse, that has been going on far longer than when you got to the physical. The physical is the aftermath of all the abuse you've already been in. So that is not the important part. What's important is how do we heal from that? How do we become whole? How do we not become a victim again? How do we go from victim to survivor and then go from survivor to advocate? To thriver. Important. Um, yes, and to thrive. To thrive. From, yeah, from survive to thrive. I think um, we marinate in, our, in these problems when we have them. Um, I think we take them on as our identity a lot when we have them. And it doesn't have to be everything that you experience with your ex-husband. It could be disease. It could be a divorce. It could be anything that the child dies. Uh, it could be anything horrible that's, that has happened or, or is happening to you. Um, describe the rediscovery or the unfolding of your self-identity since you began your new life because for a long time you were R. Kelly's wife and then inside yourself must have been R. Kelly's abused wife. So then it, then you leave 
And what, what, how did you get to wonderful darling, as you said? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got there. A lot of people think, oh, well, this is the question they ask. How do you get your power back? Oddly enough, I got my power back. It wasn't by being able to, oh, let me come forward and tell all these gory details. I got my power back when I realized that I am not, am not deserving of anything that Robert did to me, but I'm fully responsible for how long I allowed him to do it. Oh, oh, that's so good. That's so good. It is so true. Yes. It is so true because I gave my power away. Yes. And once you figure that out, like, whoa, I don't deserve what happened, but if if I'm going to sit here in it, I'm responsible for it. And once you know better, you do better. It's, because if something's familiar to you and you grew up in a household like I did, seeing my grandfather, you know, and he's a Baptist preacher, so you're a man of the cloth. You're leading the sheep. So if you're flawed, certainly a man of the world is flawed. So it was not this thing for me like, oh, what is this? It was like, oh, okay, well, he did it. He, he's a preacher, so of course a worldly man's going to do it. This is normal. But once you figure out that that's not normal, you're on your way. Then the second thing is realizing that you're responsible if you do decide to stay, how long you go through it. And thirdly, you take your power back when you use your voice. Mm. It, it's, it's that voice. It's the speaking. It's speaking life into yourself. It's when you get to a point where you are no longer fearful of the pain. You're no longer fearful of the shame. Because I think some people are so fearful of the shame that they don't want to tell the story because people are going to judge me. People are going to say this. And I went through that. I did. I will not lie. At the beginning of this, there was so much victim shaming and victim blaming. I thought, what did you do? This was the biggest mistake of your life. But then I had to realize that for that one person or two people who come on your page, there's 50 every day to a hundred that tell you how you gave them strength, courage, power, that They look to you. If it's not for them, it's for their mom. Or I've had people who are children of abusive relationships say, I wish my mom would have done for me what you did for your children. And when you start finding that your voice has power that goes beyond just your little community and neighborhood, it is amazing. And you will get to that wonderful darling part of your life because I am well aware that my life is not for me. I have gotten to a place that I know that my today is for someone's tomorrow. And that's when you get to wonderful darling. And you said a couple of things where you've used the, the two words. It's my life. It's my life. Yes. It's my life. And so the other people who are in, uh, you know, the, I call them the itty bitty committee. And. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, I'll send you a t-shirt. The uh, so true. It is and here's the thing. A lot of people that come against you, they are the most miserable. Some of them are also in the situation and it's Oh yes, like they are. Exactly. Angry because they did not have enough strength to do it for themselves. So a little bit of it is self hate when they come mm-hmm. against you. Because it's like, why don't I have the ability? Why don't I have the power? Why don't I have the strength? I haven't found my voice yet. And there's almost this level of sympathy that I have for them because they're in such a dark place. 
I understand you can't recognize my light and it's okay. But the wonderful thing is the fact that you're on my page. That's it's a start. It's your start. It's your it's start. start. It's a start. And yeah. you, you need to, you need to also have your, your eye on the prize with blinders on it. And if it is your life and if, and I think anyone listening to this will say, I want a happy life. I want a good life. Yes. I want a fun life. Then you have to start somewhere. And, and by that, I mean, ignore the naysayers. Trust your gut. Do what's in front of you. Believe in the universe. You have to start that stuff because if you want a, a happy life, it has to start with happy action, happy thoughts, happy ideas. And I'm not trying to get yippy skippy around any of this kind of situation that we're talking about with you or anyone listening. But you, you have to move out of looking behind your shoulder. You have to move out of talking about the problem. When your when you're PR uh, person who is so wonderful and I were communicating um, and, and she was very clear that you didn't want to talk about what your ex-husband had done to you. I was like, well, that's the last thing. We've we've all heard it. We all know. Like, what? Am I, why would I? Why would I take your time and regurgitate that one more time? But you've got to say that because to so yourself. Many people, so many people want their curiosity satisfied. It's not about telling my story. It's not about giving me a platform. It's no. about the gory details because they want their curiosity satisfied, and that's not what's important. Like I said. What people don't know, we know how horrific it is. We don't know how do we get past it. Yes. We don't know how do we love again. We don't know how to trust again. That's what's the important part, because once we do that, now we're putting legs under people. We're giving them strength. We're giving them their backbones. We're giving them their voice. That's what's important. And I think it really gets lost because it's shining a light on something that doesn't even deserve light. At, at the end of the day, you wanting me to give you all these gory details, this is really an interview you should do about him. Yes, you because should just sit there and talk to us about, about him life. and we'll listen. You don't need, you don't need anybody, yes. yes. And, and, and the same philosophy, philosophy is applicable to anyone going through trauma. Don't be regurgitating like it's some interview where someone's asking you the questions about what has happened to you again. You have to move out of it. And I think that's that's that stuck place. That's the first place that people have to really take a good look at. Now, you have uh, three children. I do. I do. Three wonderful. I love them. I bet you they're amazing. They're my heroes. I bet you. I bet you. How do you raise? They are. They're my strength. They were your strength on your darkest moment as well, I know. Yes, yes. It's because of them that I did not jump off of that balcony. And hearing their little voices in the background like, Mama, Mama, why did she jump? Why did she leave us? It was just eye-opening for me because I thought, they're watching how I do this thing called life. Mm -hmm. I can tell them all day long. I can preach. I can talk until my lips turn purple. That's not what counts. It's they're watching how you do this thing called life. So parents are watching or listening to this and they have to explain things all the time in the most basic of way of basic life things. Well, now all of a sudden your dad's R. Kelly and you got to explain all this to your parents, your, your, your children. What has that been like? How have you done it? Well, in their 
earlier years, I had to explain it in a way that they would understand to their level when it was about the abuse, because I just felt like at a young age, they were going through so much with his child pornography case. And then you want to put, oh, by the way, daddy's very abusive towards mommy on top of it. No, that's too much for any child. So I had to explain to them in a way that they would understand it. And the basic way at their young age was like two kids that are at a park fighting over the ball and the little boy takes the ball, kicks the girl, runs away. Do you want, that's not a friend. That's not somebody you want to play with every day, is it? My children like, no. Well, that's how it is with daddy. Mommy can't play with him every day. We can't be friends because he doesn't share his ball and he's not nice. And then they get a little older and they're, they hear they things. They get a little older <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. Then you have to explain what abusive relationships are. But I was very, very, very aware. Don't give my children the fruit of my tree. Don't give them the gory details. My children were aware where this started for mommy was your grandfather. Mm -hmm. So that they now have an understanding of things just don't haphazardly come into our lives. We don't just coincidentally attract people. There's something about us, something that we're putting out into the universe, something that has been planted in our soil at the root of our tree. So they had an understanding of this is where mommy came from. This is why it's familiar, because I want my children to be reflective and responsible for their own lives. So I never wanted it to become a thing about just make daddy the bad guy. It's about me being responsible and looking at my life, knowing where it comes from, why I ended up with a man like him and why I will never be with a man like him and why they can never my daughters be like me or my son be a man like him. You know, you broke so a cycle. Very important. You broke yes, a cycle. Breaking the cycle. Yeah. Break the cycle. But be honest and tell the truth in breaking the cycle. Like I said, it's not about telling how the other person is just so horrible and they're a monster. Take responsibility for yourself. Let your loved ones, your children know why it was familiar. I don't care if it's alcoholism. If you knew that your dad was an alcoholic and now you're with an alcoholic, explain to your children why you're even attracted to that type of energy because that puts them in the position to be, one, aware of the energy that they put out into the world, two, to take responsibility for their lives and what you want and what you don't want in it, and three, letting them know that you still have the power and the ability to change it. There's no accident. If you're not going to do that, you're doing a disservice. You're doing a disservice. I, I mean, I described seeing that the documentary and how my eye went right to you. And as someone who, who does media work that, that tries to be conscious and self-aware and encourage that and put that out there, here we are having a conversation with you. My eye went right to you. And you're obviously very, very self-aware. You live consciously. You live deliberately. Were you always that person or did you become that person in face of all the things that you've had to endure? I've always been this person. It's funny you say that because my parents, everyone, they said, you are an old soul. Like yeah. they, you know, the old Baptist Southern family that you've been here before. And the dancer is aware. The dancer is very aware of themselves. Yes. yes. Very aware. Very aware because it's very spiritual for us and it's being connected to people through energy. So I've always been this person, but I thank God for it because I don't know. I honestly cannot say if I did not have that foundation, would I have been able to walk away from that situation? Mm -hmm. Because 
from the outside, society makes it almost acceptable to stay with a man like him. Like, no, you don't stay with an abusive blue collar worker, but you stay with an abusive mm-hmm. celebrity. Mm-hmm. That's the society we live in. So it's very scary for me when I think about that. Like, wow, if I did not have this foundation, the world would think, but why would she leave? She has nannies and drivers and Maybachs and McLarens and Gucci and this, that, and the other. It, they almost make you feel guilty for choosing you because it's like, well, you know, you went through abuse, but it wasn't that bad because the world has the it's not that bad syndrome. So, yes, I, I thank God that I'm that old soul and that I had that foundation because it made it easier to leave. And, and made it so that you could uh, be an advocate and teach and serve with what's happened to you. And I know that you're going to continue on. I think um, one understanding that we put out here that you know is that the only really th- the only thing you can really uh, control in your life is the energy you put out and the energy you allow in. If you want to distill it down to most yeah. basic terms, and you're responsible for the energy you bring into every situation, every room, every encounter, and you're responsible for the energy. A lot of people will think that I'm a, a big snob sometimes, but I control my orbit who is allowed in it and to what degree. And that's, 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 that's something I understand that that's a very hard one for me. And I, I, I can see that you're doing this now with your children and your own life. And I just want to tell you, I applaud you. Um, you moved my heart. And I think that the work that you're, you're going to do, you'll look back on and uh, not be happy this happened to you, but know that it happened for you. And for us yes. all to learn about ourselves and lead happier, uh, more successful lives. Well, thank you. And thank you for all that you do, because it's not easy. You know, you, you could have picked the route of, oh, I'm going to do sensational radio and it doesn't matter in the fluff. No, people are hurting in this world. And I say that right now we have a generation with no foundation. And people need to know who they are and be strong and firm and assertive, not aggressive, but assertive about your life. And I love what you said, like, I'm responsible for the energy that I allow into my life. And that's okay. And it it just made me think about on Instagram, someone made the comment, oh, she turned her comments off. You're right, because I don't have to let you into my universe and my space with your negativity. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm a public figure doesn't mean that it's just, you know, I'm a target and I have to take this from you. I don't. Because all that stuff really hits and drains, hits and drains, and it might not feel like much if it's just a negative comment, but it all adds up. Um, Where can people find you uh, and what's ahead? Well, they can find me on Instagram. It's official, Drea, D-R-E-A-K-E-L-L-Y. On Facebook and Twitter, it is just Drea Kelly. If you still can't find me, G-O-O-G-L-E, Google her. Google her. She's wonderful, darling. <laughs> Type that in. I'm finishing my book, and I, it, it felt like it feels like it's been two decades, but it's a very painful book to write, and I'm giving myself that space because, unfortunately, when you write a book that I'm writing, it does. It Sometimes it build, brings up old pain, old scars, old trauma. Mm-hmm. I do suffer from PTSD, which is common and normal from going through what I've gone through. So I have to give my, myself time to not only deal with it but heal with it. 
And whatever time that takes, it, it is what it is. Still doing transformational speaking, teaching my dance classes, looking forward to starting this cabaret soon, my burlesque show, La Belle Jete. So, and just living a wonderful, happy life and being an advocate and helping save lives and change lives. Like, that's number one on my list. Well, I'll say number two. Outside of being a mom, that's number two on my list that being an advocate and knowing that my today is for someone's tomorrow. You're such an inspiration, and I feel blessed to have had you on on the show. And I wish you nothing but joy. And, of course, you're more than welcome to come back when your book comes out. Uh, thank you so much. You've totally made my day by doing this. Oh, well, you made my day. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And to everyone out there listening, I don't care what you're going through. There, I mean, the sun will come out tomorrow. I know it's so cliche. Thank you, Musical Annie. It is so true. And if you don't know anything else, this is my mantra that I live by. I have cracks, but I'm not broken. Oh, yeah. Don't let anything or anyone in life break you. Yes, you're going to have cracks, but through your cracks, that's where your light shines, and you're going to be okay. And one day you will get to wonderful darling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't normally let the guests have the last word, but that's it. We're out of here. Thank you so much. Peace and love.